Hey guys, welcome to Whiskey and Weird. I've missed you. Um, I am back tonight um, kicking off my Everyday Weirdos series. And um, as those of you who have been listening and watching know, I'm totally still struggling with this weird camera thing. Um, but I'm probably just going to look off this way because I have my good friend Pete coming back on tonight. I'm going to pull him in in just a second. Um, but thanks for being here. Thanks for joining me, Whiskey and Weird. Um, whether you're here tonight live or uh, on YouTube or listening later, watching the replay, whatever, thanks for chiming in. I really appreciate it. If you're here tonight, um, please uh, say hello and uh, ask your questions. You can ask me. You can ask Pete. Um, we're just going to hang out and chat and um, have a little fun. Um, so hi, Sean. But I'm going to pull I'm going to pull Mr. Pete in really quickly here, guys. Where are you? Oh, hello. There. hello there, Pete. I didn't realize this was a show when you talk to weirdos. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I kind of kept... Did I keep that from you? <laughs> you know what? I, I'm being very stereotypical being Canadian at the moment because I'm very offended about the fact that you bring me on the show because I'm weird. But you are, right? Like in all in all the beautiful and wonderful ways, Pete. Yes, okay. Yeah, right? I'm you are. You're you're so silly. You're such a silly guy. Um anyway, I am um going to try this this um whiskey. What? Did you just say something to me? Oh, you heard the noise? Yes. Um so, oh, Sean says we're all weird here. So that's the whole point, right? We're all weird, um, weird, crazy, and that's what I like. I like silly, crazy, weird people. Um, <clears throat> so, so before I before I drink this whiskey, so today was the the weirdest day. I felt like I had this, um, uh, like, mm, I revisited old Lauren today. And I had, I woke up this morning and I had coffee and I ate like five cookies with my coffee. Bad, bad idea because sugar is not my friend. And what I realized about myself is, well, I realized this a long time ago. So I don't eat a lot of sugar anymore because I am a sugar addict. And basically what sugar does to me is it totally unfilters, puts me on edge. And I lived most of my life that way. Um... And today it was kind of like that. But here's the interesting turn of events. I feel like the edge that the sugar gave me today actually served me because I was able to um, to show up to a situation <laughs> that I've been dealing with for a while uh, with, 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 with the edge that I needed, if that makes sense. But um, anyway, you might know what I'm talking about, Mr. Pete. But you might not. I don't know. But, you know, it's been a weird. I was all over the place. I was a lunatic today. And sugar is just stupid. What What does that to you? What? What was that? I said... I think, I think I know what you're talking about. And it, it gave you bones of steel. That's what it did. <laughs> it did. It did. But, you know, you know... Well, I already have those. They just came out, I suppose. Um, anyway, um... But what's funny is like, just on a more serious note about that, like I, for my entire life, sugar was like my, my, my comfort, right? So I would eat it when I was happy. I would eat it when I was sad. And I've always had, I've always been, I've most of my life had kind of that unfiltered edge. And, um, but it didn't always feel very authentic to me. Like sometimes I have these experiences where I'm um, like, like I can see myself behaving this way and I know it's not me it's like watching it's really bizarre so anyway it served me well today and yeah sugar sugar is um well the sugar's not the devil but it brings out the devil in me for sure for sure right People. yeah what brings out the devil in you Pete hmm? um the, the only the, the only thing that I love sorry the only luxury I have in my life is tea not being stereotypical, so if I <laughs> if I put more than four tea bags in my tea in my travel mug, um, I'm like on amphetamines for about three hours, and uh, it's, I'm 
That's pretty. That's, <laughs> that's pretty funny, actually. And yes, very stereotypical of you to be drinking tea, yeah. isn't it? It's, it's... I drink tea at noon with my toes. But you know what? You you've exercised a lot of your demons too. Like I've exercised the sugar demon for the most part, right? But <clears throat> yeah. So anyway, I have this whiskey. Um, that I'm going to try. My friend um, Jonas has tried it recently and he mentioned it. It's called the Sexton. It is single malt. It's an Irish whiskey. Here, I'll hold it up so you can see it. It's a really cool bottle. I really like the bottle. So I'm going to give it a try. It's kind of a heavy bottle. So sorry, I, I know you can't enjoy this with me. Mm, sorry. See, shut up. I'm, I'm, I'm getting a little nose on it. Hold on. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that how people drink whiskey out of a straw? Okay. This has a really lovely smell. It is um a really lovely nose on it. I I wonder it has um. I didn't even look that much at it. It's it's got kind of a brandy. It's it's it smells quite lovely actually. Like it was, you know, maybe in some brandy casks or something before. I don't I don't know, but and ooh, it's a little weird to pour though. Um color's pretty good. See that? Doesn't look quite like urine. Stop laughing at me, Pete. I know I'm an amateur at this. That's the whole point. Right? Haha. -ha. But so now don't laugh at this part. No straw here. Just one nostril at a time. Speaking of snorting. I am. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ew, yeah. Yep. How weird. I can't smell it out of that one. I know. I know. What's your fault, Sean? My friend Sean says something is his fault. I missed it. Sorry, I'm really distracted. Uh, just fair warning, everyone who's chiming in. I actually... um. I actually have been drinking whiskey for a little while already. So, um, yeah. Anyway. All right. So interesting nose on here. Like I said, there something, it was, it had to have been, um, held in some other barrels. I'm going to have to look at this later when I uh, can, um, read it because it's got something. It's a little fruity. There's a little toffee smell in there too. So, are you ready for me to taste it, Pete? Are we ready to move on from this part? Just drink it. <laughs> okay, Let's here we go. Hey, you didn't have to be on for this part, you know. Oh, it's really smooth. It does not have a lot of burn, which I like. It could be really dangerous. It's a good thing. I think it's only 80 proof. Because this could be a little dangerous. It's not over, overly viscous either, which I like. I don't like really viscous whiskey. Yep. That goes down pretty easily. We'll add that to the huge collection that I have that I may never drink all of it. I need to have a whiskey party or something. So... Anyway, those of you who are just chiming in, I just tried the Sexton Single Malt Irish Whiskey. Um, it was pretty good. Uh, ooh, so here's Sean. Okay, let's pull this up. This is my buddy, Sean. He's bringing up the details about it for me. He does this all the time. Oh, it is Sherry. I was thinking Brandy. I was, I'm getting this though. I'm getting better, right? That's a really, look, we can't even see ourselves on here anymore. Sean spelled whiskey wrong. <laughs> Um, no, he didn't, he didn't spell it wrong. He spelled it correctly because Irish whiskey is, is spelt with an E, as is American whiskey. Canadian and Scottish whiskey are spelled with just a Y. So it's correct, actually. So there. 
Um, yeah, see fruit. See, I told you fruit. I never get the oak though. I know I don't. Uh, thank you, Sean. You're so helpful. That's awesome. So I feel like you know, maybe I'm getting this. Maybe I'm figuring this shit out. I don't know. So who? someone else is on here watching us and I'm curious who it is. Um, it's always interesting to see these numbers up and, and like there's certain people that are always commenting like Sean. He's always here. But um, people are just watching us. You did a lesson. Can you you can you see the comments, Pete? No, I can't see nothing. You can see me though. That's all that matters. I, I, right? I went out for clicked on the comment, but oh there, there we go. There's the comments. Can you see him? I so, can, yes. Okay. Anyway, so so what's what's new with you, Pete? Like you had you had your your book out. What's new? Sorry. <laughs> go. Go. Um, work, 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 work. No. Um. So we um a couple of things since the last time I spoke to you. Uh, we've started. Uh, both Jason and myself have started another two books. Uh, one we started about three months ago, which is going to be a um, collection of stories and encounters from seasoned paranormal investigators. When I say paranormal investigators, it's going to be people from different parts, different realms of the paranormal. So we've got um, we've got interviews with them, which we're collecting to a book, and uh, we're going to be publishing that. It's kind of a unique. You know, it, I don't think it's ever been done before, and uh, the whole emphasis behind it is is to um, just tell the stories of you know people that have actually you know experienced things themselves, that kind of thing. So. That's cool. That'll be pretty cool. I can't wait to read it. <clears throat> and then the uh, second book, which we're going to probably be starting later on this year, is uh, which is a subject that is very close to my own heart because I experienced myself is. Uh, about near-death experiences as well. Mm. So we've got, um, there's a few, there's a couple of people um, that I've encountered recently that have experienced similar things to me when I went into a coma and I almost died. So um, we're going to be doing a series of interviews probably later this year, if not early part of next year, and uh, I'm going to start writing a book on that as well. Are you willing to share a little bit of that with us or are you going to save it for the book? I will, I will in a minute. Okay. Uh, I'm going to tell you what else I've been up to. <laughs> so we've, um, I've launched a new um, community paranormal YouTube channel, which I currently have, and I've asked you if you want to contribute to it as well. I currently have eight different teams or different uh, different aspects of shows and stuff like that contributing to it on YouTube. So it's, uh, it's the, uh, the channel's called I Want to Believe. Uh, it's out on, uh, we've just started just a few weeks ago. We've already got, uh, like I say, eight people already contributing to it. Uh, and I'll probably have, in about three or four months, I'll probably have about 16 to 20 different teams like Bigfoot Hunters, UFOs, you know, uh, guys that make documentaries on UFOs, that kind of thing. Um, uh, uh, live feed for investigations as well, that kind of thing. So it's going to be a whole collage of different, you know, different experiences, different interviews, documentaries, that kind of thing, uh, all under one roof. Uh, the, the emphasis is, is because obviously there's, you know, there's loads of channels out there on YouTube and different, you know, there's different teams that do it throughout the world, that kind of thing. I just thought, why don't we just do it all under one roof? And uh, and it will be, you know, a one-stop shop kind of thing. Um, we've got, obviously, in Canada at the moment, the restrictions are going to be... Uh, they're going to start lifting up probably at the. I think they they're going to be lifting twenty seventh of May. So we've I've probably got about two to three months worth of investigations to go to on that. Once that opens up as well, I've got uh, some interesting residential cases that have built up. Um, there's uh, an old farmhouse in Merritt, which uh, a woman's claiming demonic activity, uh, which is. Uh, uh, so that, that should be interesting, and uh, there's uh, heritage sites as well, which uh, just recently come on the map as well, in uh, around Camloops area. So we've got that to look forward to as well. So yeah, busy, busy times, and then work on top of that as well. So right, yeah, like how do you fit that all in? So uh, Pete, 
uh, Sean has a question for you. I'm going to put it up on the screen, okay? <clears throat> I have a question, Pete. When you're thinking about a book, do you get the topic and then find experiences? Or do you more have the experience and it triggers a book? So um, the, fir the first book was based on my, my own experiences. And uh, that, that, were, that came about through an interview with the publisher. And uh, she was the one that was kind of pushing me to write chronicles of my own adventures, my ventures. Um, with um, the second book, uh, it was more to do with... Um, I wanted, I wanted to get a collection of stories together from all my friends that I know in the field and their experiences as well. So that's why I decided to do that. And then with the near-death experience, it was purely um, it was purely on the fact that when we were interviewing one of the ladies that was um, um, we were interviewing for the book, for, for this book, uh, she brought up a, an incident with a near-death experience. And... Uh, there were so much parallels in that, and uh, we, we ended up taking it offline, and I was talking to her for about an hour and a half about what she went through and her kind of feelings and stuff like that, and it was just so, it was like, it was just so close, like, in relation to my encounters and the feelings we had and stuff like that, and it just, it felt, you know, very close to my heart, so then, then Jason, we were talking about it next day with Jason, and Jason said, you know, we should be approaching that as well, and we went to the publisher, and they went, go for it. So, yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. We actually did. I did a little bit of a show on near death experience, of course, just kind of talking about what what they're similar. So I'm really curious. I want to hear a little bit about that if you're willing. But um, yeah. first, how was the so I actually haven't watched it yet. I have to get caught up. But on the web series, the Bigfoot stuff, how, how was that? Did you have fun with that? Was it was it worth it? So Episode four yeah. um, of Bigfoot episode, I was actually finally on it this time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, um, it, it was fun. Um, we um, Not a lot happened when we went out. Uh, we went out with um, Chris Chris Bowes, who is our uh, is a very good friends with Jason. J actually, Jason went to school with him. He's, uh, an, he's a local Aboriginal guy up mm -hmm. in Kamloops, and he knows the area pretty well. So we went out and did a tour with him. On some of the uh, on one of the Aboriginal sites just north of Kamloops, so it, it was pretty good in that respect. And he went through the kind of correlation between uh, what the uh, what um, the First Nations believe in in relation to what we believe in Bigfoot. If that mm -hmm. makes sense, like yeah. uh, the, the, the the manifestations, the shapeshifters, and stuff like that. And it, it, the the episode speaks well. All four episodes speaks very well to that, and it's more. It's more kind of the story about it, and uh, obviously there's the um, there's the investigation as well when we went out that what, that one particular night, which um, that nothing really happened in relation to uh, Bigfoot experiences. But when I thought for just for laughs, I get the spirit box out and um, I turned it on, and the very first question that I said was, "Was anyone there?" And it actually pulls the uh, it actually pulls for the frequency skip. And uh, he actually paused, and there was like a bit of dead space, and it said, "Help me!" Wow! And uh, we got it on camera as well, and it was like, and like bearing in mind, we were like, honestly, um, you guys, obviously in the states, you have miles. Uh, in relation to here, we have kilometers. We were probably about three to four miles in no man's land, and uh, there was no, like, we were scanning through before, and there was zero radio frequencies or anything like that, and it just that came through. And then uh, I said, "Who who is there?" And uh, the voice came through and said, "Charlie." Wow. And then that, and that that's all we had for that whole time we was there. So that was interesting as well. Um, yeah, no, yeah, no, it was fun. And uh, we've got um, hopefully next year as well. There's uh, there's a few places, a, a few groups, bigfoot hunting groups in BC that have kind of opened their doors to us to us as well. So obviously, when COVID drops, we've got opportunity to go to other locations in. BC to go and uh, just go out and see what see what happens, kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's pretty fascinating. People don't think about that, you know, when you're out in the woods and you're bigfoot hunting. I don't know why it surprises people that you might actually catch a human voice out in the woods because lots of people have died in the woods, right? And lots of people have walked there and done all that stuff. It's yeah, it's um, because like. There, there, there's a lot of history around that area, um, more on the 
I can't really go too much into detail, but mm-hmm. there, there's a lot of history there from uh, uh, from the, the overlap of uh, white settlers, like the first the, the pioneers that came over to Canada uh, during the fur trade and stuff like that. And then there was a uh, and uh, between between the white settlers and the the uh, the First Nations that were there as well. It was all friendly and stuff like that. There was no you know war there or anything like that. But there's you know there's an overlap, and then basically the the Aboriginal group Williams Lake, uh, not Williams Gate, but the um, First Nation group took the land back. So it's, you know, they've got miles and miles of green space where, you know, it's, you know, potentially anything could have happened there in history. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Um, and, and I mean, at any point in history, right? Like it could have been hundreds of years ago. It could have been four months ago. Who knows? I mean, well, right. I mean, Canada, Canada is not really that old in respect to the States. And uh, it was probably, if there was anything that went on around there, it was probably about 150 years ago. At yeah. Most. Yeah. Probably, I guess. Well, that part of Canada is—is is East Coast Canada a little older though than um, like yeah. the United States, right? Yeah, it's uh, the, the East Coast dates back to the the beginning, if not before uh, before uh, Canada became a um, before Canada became Canada. I can't remember the exact history, uh, but uh, the. Um, and uh, yeah, the, the the buildings over there date back to like the early early seventeenth, uh, early eighteenth century and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And there's still castles and forts over there and stuff like that. And there's a uh, there's still a uh, heritage site there where uh, when the Americans invaded the uh, when when the Americans invaded Canada and uh, they got fought back and uh, that const- uh, there was a big battle there. I can't remember exactly where it was. And then um, 24 hours later, um, the British set fire to the White House. Really? Wow. Yeah. You damn British. I know. Well, it, 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 British Canadian. It was. Uh, it was more. It, it was British and Canadian. If that makes sense. It was like British white coats, red coat soldiers, whatever. I end up. I'm just messing with you. No, that's awesome. You're English as well, so there you go. What? No, I'm not. <laughs> You just, yeah, you just wish I was English. What, you don't like my American accent? No, no. (laughs) You know, I was thinking about that. I don't think the last time you were on, I, I, you know how sometimes we've talked and I'll just start slipping into an accent because I'm talking to you and you're like, do you realize... Um, but I probably have to have a little more whiskey for that. So I should keep yeah. drinking because that could be amusing when that happens. Yeah. Right? Any, any excuse. What? Any excuse, right? Yeah. Any uh, any excuse to drink more whiskey? Yeah. Well, not really. But this is this show is called Whiskey and Weird. So, you know, I think I have permission. <laughs> you stop being an ass. Okay. Can you tell me, tell me about, uh, tell us a little bit about your near-death experience. I know I probably know a little bit of it, but, and I don't, I know you don't want to give too much away because you want people to read your book when it comes out, but. No, uh, <laughs> no, don't read my book. No, I'm kidding. So, um, I, about five years ago was when my health started dramatically going downhill and, uh, it was, um, just out of three, three and a half years ago when I had my liver transplant. And then just before that, about two months before, was the, uh, basically when I, um, my health got like to a critical stage when uh, my doctor basically turned around and said to me, I didn't, he didn't know how long I had, long, had left to live and stuff like that. Um, I, I went into two comas over the course of two weeks and the first coma I was under for about 24 hours. And then the second, I was, um, I went down for about 36 hours. And um, they apparently, at one point, I um, I flatlined, but then I came back up again. And uh, I clearly remember um, when I woke up, it it was like, I I just, that was the first thing I remembered. So um, I was in a, in a white surrounded area and there were people all around all, all around me 
and uh, and it was like I was in a room, but I wasn't in the room. If that makes sense. But there was people surrounding me. I don't know if they're familiar or anything like that. And there was one guy there that was um, that basically said that. Um, in front of this guy and uh, I, I wanted to go I wanted to go to the other side and uh, I was I was adamant about it and this guy was getting um, more and more agitated with me and, he, and uh, I was saying no no I want to go I want to go now and uh, I want to go and see my mum and dad and my, I want to see my sister as well and uh, they were, he was like no 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 and he got very forceful and he said look he goes it's not your time yet and uh, he said that um, it's you know it's not now, and I was getting I was getting more and more angry as well. And uh, but I I had like the, the feeling I had at the time I, I had no remorse about leaving my family behind, and that kind of made me feel guilty after because I had that feeling that everything was okay, and I, I felt it felt natural that I was to go through that way, and it was the only thing that I should be doing if that makes sense. And then um, and then I woke up. And that was it. And uh, I woke up. I came out of a coma, and I was I was strapped to a bed, and uh, because I kept pulling the IV out, and I lost my voice because they were trying to ram tubes down my throat and stuff like that. And but it, it's I still remember it to this day. It's clear as anything the the experience I had, and it wasn't a dream. I know that much, and um, yeah. So it's yeah, just totally weird. Apparently, uh, just before I woke up was. Uh, about a couple of hours before was the time when uh, my I had like irregular heart uh, heartbeats and stuff like that, and I actually went under for slightly for for a little while as well, and they brought me back out. Wow, that's pretty Sorry. crazy. Oh, got some weird audio stuff happening. I think you you hold on. Can you hear that? Ooh, there it stopped. Okay. So while you were telling your story. Could you hear it? Stop now that you're done. It was like this weird audio <laughs> interference. And my sister's like, what's that jingling noise? And I'm like, it does sound like jingling, but it wasn't that. So, it's Santa Claus. It, <laughs> it was just like, it was. <laughs> you'll be able to hear it later. But what's weird is I feel like it was only happening while you were telling that story. Because as soon as you stopped telling it, it went away. So I don't know. Could it be my mic? Does uh, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. So it has this this funny little sound. I don't even know how to describe it other than a, jing, a jingling there, sound. But when, say, when you're farther away from it, it's not a big deal. Okay. That's funny. That's crazy. I don't. I don't know that you ever actually shared that completely with me. I knew. I mean, obviously, I knew that you um, were that close to death. But um, that's pretty remarkable. And I think that, I, you know, I've done some reading about that stuff. And it is pretty common, I think, the guilt and, and the aftermath um, that people have because they come out and realize, I kind of wanted to go. Like, it would have been easier or, you know. It, it was the, it just at that time. And it, that, that was the hard, hardest part. And it was only when uh, we were to, I was talking about it to Angela, who, the lady I was interviewing with, it was when she brought it up and she, she said that she wanted to go. And it was like, holy crap, I just totally forgot all about it. Mm -hmm. You've just forgot about the conversation? No, I've got, um, I can hear that ringing. Sorry. Oh, oh you're, you're distracted? Yeah, I don't know. It's, yeah, it's weird. I don't know. It's, there's all sorts of weird stuff happening. People calling me and my X-Files ringtone playing in the background. But I guess that's appropriate. But yeah, that's that's a pretty crazy story about that. So that'll be fun. So that not not the story. There are not not hearing about near death experiences, for instance, but hearing the different versions. So your book will it be similar to the other one where it'll kind of bring in other people and their experience, or is it just going to be how's that? How you how are you picturing that book? So I, I put a post out. I because I I'm. Uh, well, but uh, I've been on about five or six different pages, and uh, I, I put an ad out just after we were um, just after we confirmed that we were going to write the book, and I've probably about fifteen to twenty people that have come forward with um, identical stories. 
in relation to that. So we have a lot of content for the book. Mm-hmm. So it's just a matter of timing at the moment more than anything else because it's uh, just crazy busy at the moment more than anything else. So. Huh. That's pretty cool, though. That'll be a, a pretty exciting thing to be happening. So are you guys going to do on, on the web series, you've done Bigfoot. Um, I feel like I've seen Jason bring up UFO stuff. And, of course, da- down here in the United States right now, that's all over the news. Is this yeah. something you guys are thinking about checking out so, up there? So Jason has recently acquired the Paranormal Network, and uh, he does a lot of uh, UFO documentaries on there. So mm-hmm. he's big into the UFOs, is more than, probably more than what he is, like ghosts and stuff like that. So oh yeah, uh, we're gonna um, we're probably gonna look at something like that later this year. There's a guy in Vancouver who does. He goes out and does UFO watching, uh, watching or anything, something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he's going to invite us out for that as well. But what's cool about it is that we're going to we're going to try and do uh, like the Bigfoot hunt and the UFO spot both at the same time because he has like a um, uh, a thermal thermal camera on a drone. Oh wow! So it's. Uh, so it's like, you know, it, it, it's something that's going to be definitely interesting and something that's going to be cool to do as well. Yeah, that will be really cool. I've been, I really want to go. Have you ever um, been down to Mount Adams here in Washington State before? No. no. Because that's a big hot spot for both um, Bigfoot and UFO stuff going on. Like, it's huge down here. And I, I, I yeah, I'd love to go check that place out. But, um, is that where are you guys going to go for that up in Canada? Um, actually, well, one of the hot spots at the moment is North Vancouver, which is weird because it's right on the outskirts of the sea. Yeah. Um, there's uh, there's some places further north as well, which are slightly you know off the beaten track. Uh, they're about six hours away that have had uh, constant signs up there, um, just out, just outside of uh, Williams Lake. And uh, there's been like constant sightings up there as well, so um, there's definitely no shortage. And uh, Bigfoot hunting as well here as well mm-hmm. is, for some strange reason, the like the West Coast is overpopulated with you know accounts of you know witnesses apparently seeing or hearing that kind of thing going on, kind of thing. So it really is. I mean, yeah. I mean, even if you look at a map, it, it's all over the United States, of course, but. Um, definitely really highly saturated over here. Um, and what do you think about, we talked about this one time on the show, because there are definitely people out there, um, a lot of people in, in Washington State um, with the military who suggest some some kind of connection, some kind of awareness um, between between the at least the United States military, I would imagine probably the Canadian as well. And the saturation of that in this area. Have you ever thought about that? Um, sorry, so that again. <laughs> really, you're gonna make me say all of that again? So sorry, I, it's been a long day. I've been up since four. Sorry. I know. I'm just teasing you. So we there. There's a lot of stories out there or connections um, suggesting, um, well, things, th- stories connecting the uh the US military and the fact that we have a lot of it on the on the west coast particularly in the northwest and their awareness and their connection to to the big to bigfoot um and understanding of that and i'm just curious if you've ever thought about that what your your considerations would be um i i don't really see um I see familiarities on the west coast more than obviously what what we mentioned with um you know uh, Bigfoot spotting and also UFO spotting as well. It's pretty predominant on the West Coast and more north you go in like the states as well. Like the more you travel towards the Canadian border, mm-hmm. there's a lot more signs there. Um, I don't, you know, it, it doesn't seem to be kind of a more of a military thing in Canada. It's uh, it's 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 more richer here in the uh, the First Nations traditions as well like things like bigfoot and stuff like that as opposed to on the east side as well so um and i guess you know no i don't i i can't really see foresee why that would be you know 
why that is really. Well, I guess I guess really here are the things that I've read and we talked a little bit about are are that the military, people who are serving here, um, completely believe in the presence. Like it's actually an active part of what they of what certain parts of the of the military do here. Um yeah. and people who would con- absolutely confirm that they exist and that the US government is aware of them and actually, you know, knows where they are and and maybe even what they're doing i don't know so it's quite it's quite convenient that the uh that the U- u.s government comes out with a statement of acknowledgement when they're for halfway through a pandemic don't you think well this wasn't a state this wasn't these are just people who've worked here in the in the not there wasn't a statement by the military of acknowledgement but people who have served who say oh. yes, who, people who have served who said yes that's that's you know they're fully aware of that and it's going on now on a different note there's a lot of statements coming out about ufos right now and we talked about that too and and like is it real information or are they trying to um uh are they trying to distract us from the truth or are they really sharing the truth that was also one of the conversations we had on here because it seems seems really convenient that suddenly all of these things are coming out in the Navy and the military and, you know, the, the government are like, oh, yeah, they're out there. As a matter of fact, today, someone shared an article on my on Facebook about the Catholics, <laughs> the Catholics oh, acknowledging that aliens might be out there and what they're doing to get ready for it. And I'm like, you've got to be fucking kidding me. <laughs> Even the Catholic community are coming out. Next I, I was like, oh, I, I left the church at the wrong time. No, yeah. what's next? All Wiccans? <laughs> Witches are real. I don't know. I know they are, but it's like, like, let's distract the media. What's going on really? Yeah, like, <laughs> what does that even mean that the Catholics are acknowledging that aliens might be real? I don't know. <sighs> It makes me think of uh, it, it makes me think of Mr. Marshall Applewhite and uh, the Heaven's Gate cult, and you know his belief that we're all just uh, we're all just <laughs> we're all just aliens in meat suits, right? Like, did you know that about him? I I talk about this on my tour, so I'm like become an expert about it. But um, oh, hold on one second. What my sister says, what Catholics? I don't know, Jacqueline. I'm gonna have to share that with you. Um, here, my friend Jonas has a little uh something to share. Let's I'm gonna pull it up on the um screen. One second, once in desolation, wilderness, couple hours, dark, dark hikes, price to hear train whistles. Later, my hunting partner checked maps for nearby tracks, but nothing but one said it could be Sasquatch. Yeah, what do you know, um, Pete, about the kind of noises the sounds and stuff that that are known to be made by by sasquatch because there's a lot um, thanks for so the question jonas there, there's i don't know I, I honestly um like i know you know i've been openly talking about in the show that you know i'm going sasquatch hunting and stuff like that but um like i the, the, the so-called ev- evidence that i've heard over the years there's you know, there's a lot of, um, you can see through a lot of it. it, you know, you could put it down to animals and stuff like that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, there was one, there was one um, clip that I got from Chris, Chris Hose, the, uh, the, the guy's, uh, Jason's friend, when he was just up north of, uh, just north of Kamloops on the, uh, on the, on the res, that um, there was, you could hear wolves howling, and then uh, there was like the, the 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 wolves were howling at a certain level, and they all you could hear there was like three or four of them, and then at the end there was like this scream, like like it was like an anguish scream at the end of it. It was just so it wasn't parallel with the wolves at all. It was like it sounded like a werewolf or something like that, but something really big. It was like. Ugh! Like that, like a really like grown on it. Um, that I've never, like I've, I've done, you know, I've done a lot of camping, I've done a lot of bush trails and stuff like that throughout the world, and I've never, 
I've never heard that kind of noise before. Um, I don't typically know what the characteristics would be, but there is uh, things like uh, they can hear, you know, you can hear like trees being being beaten, but apparently that's supposed to be the call, call of the Sasquatch is that they, they throw rocks at trees, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. And uh, they're supposed to be attracted to things... Um, uh, one of the tests, we, we, one of the theories that we tested out in the show as well was baby crying as well. So we simulated that. Um, you know, we, you know, we ramped up the uh, volume in the truck with like baby crying and stuff like that. So there's various aspects of that, but I don't, I don't know deep enough about the subject. But what could be the, you know, the characteristics of a Bigfoot? Because no one's actually proven, you know, proven that it's, it was something that is not of, you know, an animal or anything like that. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously, we don't have any of it proven, but I will say that I, I, what, what's that? Same as ghosts and what, what, you know, other aspects of the paranormal. Yeah, it's all part of it. Um, I, but I, but I have heard of similar sounds, um, being reported as possible Sasquatch. So loud with like whistling for sure is something that has been reported as possibly. Um, and I, I think it comes down to kind of knowing your surroundings, um, as, as Jonas alluded to, like we were, they were out in the middle of nowhere and there weren't train tracks. So, you know, then you start asking what could make that sound, um, and narrowing it down. Um, so yeah, you just, just never know. There's lots of weird noises that come out of the wilderness though. Right. Um, yeah, you mentioned the, um, the baby, the baby crying thing. Have you, have you gotten far enough in Hellier where they start talking about that in the cave? And they talk like, so, so that's a phenomenon that's, that's not just exclusive to, um, to Bigfoot, but to the whole, to all the weirdness that Hellier kind of, um, you know, is, is touching on with the goblins and going into caves and hearing like babies crying in really weird places. Um, some people associate it with the Fae, of course. Um, yeah. That's but yeah. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of mythology into that as well. Mm-hmm. So the, um, when we, when we actually cranked up the car with the baby crying, that was probably the most annoying sound that I've ever heard in my life was this baby crying up full blast. And uh, I could only stomach it for like a couple of minutes and I told them to turn it off because it was so painful. <laughs> so anyway. so you were, were you trying to annoy the hell out of the Bigfoot if it was close by? Is that what you're saying? It seemed like a good idea at the time, but then after, after a little while, uh, I was just like, no, please turn it off. It was getting painful. What do you suppose is the logic behind that? What what do you think would would draw a Sasquatch to a baby crying? Do you think one is it because it can be a really grating noise sometimes, or do you think it it is an indicator of a more nurturing aspect of these beings that that people might not really see? Well, obviously with a baby, there's if if you hear a baby cry, there's first of all you kind of think okay. If, if there is a, a, a tension from Bigfoot or Sasquatch on that, that there is some familiarities mm-hmm. in the big to to us as human beings, so that there is you know that possible crossover. Because like if I don't, I don't sound funny, if you were like an alien on a new planet and you had no idea about the surroundings or anything like that, and you heard a baby cry, you're not gonna it, it's not gonna attract you, is it? It's gonna probably send you away more than anything else. So there might be, you know, there's obviously that, that kind of connection in that respect somewhere along the lines, if they, you know, if they do exist. And then obviously, like what you say as well, there could be that empathic side where, they, you know, they hear, you know, a baby cry, they think it's distress, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, because there is that, that huge, um, conne- you know, or that there's a big belief around just the whole empathic ability, telepathic ability all of that kind of stuff. I'm sure, you know, I'm sure you've heard of it. You probably have an opinion, but they seem to be, they seem to be more evolved creatures than us. So it stands to reason in my mind that they, they would be connected in a really different way to each other or even to us. Right. Um, Jonas just asked, what's this hellier place you, you spoke of. So hellier, hellier is, um, in, Kentucky, actually, Jonas, but it, there's a um, a web a YouTube a s- series 
what do we call that? A docu-series? Is that what it would be called? Um, and I'll share it. I'll share it with you. I'll share it here on the, um, the page. But it's, it's pretty fascinating. Speaking of that, how far have you gotten in that? Uh, have you watched it all yet, Pete? No, I haven't watched uh, an episode since the last time we spoke about it. Yeah, yeah. I've probably watched it a few times. It's pretty crazy. It's just all crazy, and hopefully a, a third season will come out. We'll see what happens, but they're just kind of playing along. But do you believe in goblins? So you be, you kind of believe in Sasquatch. Do you believe that there could actually be weird goblin-y creatures living in the caves of the Appalachian Mountains? <laughs> you never say never. Um, it, it's, you know, we, us as human beings, have... Uh, little to no knowledge of what's going on around us half the time so you know to, to turn around and say that goblins or fairies or any other kind of mythological creature didn't exist would be kind of sound and naive from my perspective wouldn't it yeah well i mean stories of all of these things exist throughout history as 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 widely as stories about human beings um so there has to be a reason for that, right? Everything from from the Fae to Sasquatch to, you know, weird depictions of even goblins in caves. So it is, I, you know, I think, I think you and I share, I mean, we definitely come from different angles on this stuff, but we, we share that, that kind of openness. Like you just, it's, they're just things that deserve to be considered at the very least, right? Yeah. 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 Like for me to just turn around and shake my head and laugh at people to say that, you know, they go out Bigfoot hunting or they go out and look for fairies and stuff like that. Come on, you you know, it's (laughs) it's a little bit shallow of me to do that. But, um, you know, I've I've had my own fair share of different experiences over my lifetime. And a lot of it is um, a lot of it I wouldn't. I choose not to really share because of the fact that um, people might think I'm full of shit more than anything else. And it, <laughs> there, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of things that I've, I've experienced. I've had multiple witnesses that, you know, have been there at the same time as me. Not just so much, you know, ghosts and stuff like that. But like when we were, when we were camping, when we were kids in, in, uh, in the, um, the Surrey countryside, there was one particular spot every summer that used to, there used to be these, um, these white orbs that used to manifest and mm-hmm. uh, we'd, we'd watch it as kids and uh, we, you know, we'd be in the middle of nowhere and we, you know, these balls would swing around, go up in the air and, you know, and then all of a sudden they just disappear and stuff like that. And it's, it's, it's all stuff that I experienced growing up and to where I am now kind of thing. And um, we have, we have little understanding about this planet in relation to what is actually going on. And, um, that's what I feel anyway. Yeah, 100%. And just for the record, you are full of shit. But that's a totally <laughs> different story. <laughs> <laughs> I lie. That's it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I lie. You're, you're a liar. Liar, liar. No, that's that's true. That's awesome. Well, does anybody who's listening, I know, for well, for a few minutes there was a bunch of people on, um, that has any questions for Mr. Pete Wren? before um we close or for me you can ask me questions too about anything um whiskey's still good i can share my story about my transplant donor what's that oh about oh yes you should share that that's a great story do it okay so um as i mentioned earlier about three and a half years ago i had um i I had a liver transplant because of a rare genetic disease. And um, I, I had that in Vancouver, which is about four hours south to where I am in Camden. So I live further north. And um, at that particular time, you know, I, I got better, obviously, had my transplant, moved back to Camden, shuffled around a bit. Um, about a year and a half ago, um, that's how long it took me. So roughly about two years after the transplant, it, uh, it took me that long to write a letter to the donor's family because it was a dead donor that I received the organ from. So I, 
I wrote a letter and it was difficult and I sent it to my uh, transplant team and uh, a part of the, I, I don't know what it's like in the States or anything like that, but apparently in Canada you can't ask them to get in contact with a donor's parents the only t- or the, the donor signers, whoever signed it off or anything like that. Apparently the only way that they can get in, you guys can get in contact with each other is if they requested it. So um, I... I wrote a letter out and uh, I put my name and number on there, and which I shouldn't have done. So the transplant team phoned me up and said, no, you can't do that. I said, okay, scrub it off. So um, sent the letter and didn't think anything of it. And about, when was it? It was about three, four months ago when I first, because I, I called you, didn't I, as soon as yep. it happened. Yeah. About three to four months ago, I I am a construction manager for the local health authority in uh, British Columbia and uh, I'm building a big hospital extension just here in Kamloops and um, there was a, a consultant that came up from Vancouver and he's um, uh, friends of my old boss and we were talking about my old boss because my old boss got fired and he was saying well if David's here we'll be going out and having beers and stuff like that and and I turned around and we started the conversation about, um, I wish I could go out for beers, but I've had a liver transplant. He's like, oh, I had a liver. He goes, liver transplant. He goes, I had a kidney transplant. So we're talking about the medication, rejection drugs and side effects and stuff like that. So that kept us, you know, chewing, chewing the conversation about five, ten minutes. And then he, um, then we stopped and we were carrying on walking and then all of a sudden he stopped in his tracks and he said, so when did you... Um, when, when did you have your transplant? And I said, uh, um, it was about three years ago. And he said, where did you have it? I said, in Vancouver, Vancouver General Hospital. And he said that, um, he said that, that that was about the same time when, when my son died. And I'm like, oh, okay. And then um, I, I can't remember why I said it or he said it. He said, well, one of us said, well, wouldn't it be funny if I got your son's organ? And uh, we're like, yeah, 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 yeah. So we're, we're walking around and uh, like the, the wheels turning around in my head and I'm like, uh, I wonder, and I wonder if I can, you know, do some more digging on this. So um, I basically stopped him and uh, I said, look, did you ever receive a letter from any of the, because uh, um, he, sorry, stepping back, he said that when his son died, his, his, his son died of uh, a car accident in, in North Vancouver and uh, he was called to the hospital and they were keeping him alive and uh, he because he had a kidney transplant, he, he, you know, he put his signature down to donate his son's organs. So they donated his son's liver, kidney, and heart. So that got, that got, you know, that got donated and stuff like that. And there, there was a couple of other formalities as well in regard to his son's health that he got asked as well. But I'll come to that in a minute. So um, we, we, we were, you know, we were talking along, and he said that um, he said, yeah, he goes. Um, he goes, yeah. I, he goes, I received a letter, and um, I said, uh, um, who, who sent you the letter? He said, uh, I said, which, you know, which organ was it? Which organ donor was it? Oh, oh, sorry, which organ recipient was it? And he said, I. He goes, I can't really remember. I said, but can you remember the letter? And uh, honestly, he described the letter I wrote the transplant family to a T, like, like about the fact that I had a rare genetic disease, the fact that I had two kids. Uh, there was there was uh, there was a complication about TB, and uh, there was just like a long list of things I put in it, like very specific items, and he just read it off to me. So I'm like, <sighs> so I'm just like totally blown away. And at that point, and the, like there was tears in my eyes, and you know I was getting really emotional about, it and I'm like, I, I need to take a step back because like this is you know this is kind of a bit overwhelming. And I'm like, okay, there must be like a logical explanation behind this. There must be, you know, lots of similar similar similarities between what happened here to perhaps other other cases that happened in Vancouver area because they have a lot of donors and stuff like that. So um, he said, that he, I said, so um, so what happened um, before, you know, when you went to the hospital? He said, oh, you know, I went to the hospital and um, he goes, I signed a piece of paper and he said the next day. He said, I got a phone call from the hospital asking me, uh, and there was a physician that asked me whether they knew whether my son had TB. And uh, I'm like, that, that's weird because when I got the uh, the liver, that they suspected that there was, um, that, that the guy may have had TB because there were like blemishes on the liver. 
and I had to go on like antibiotics on top of the other medication I was on for about eight or nine months. So there was that parallel as well, and then it just carried on, carried on like that, and I'm like, and it was like, you know, I was just totally blown away. Then I, I spoke to my transplant nurse, like I got on the phone to her like the following day, and I said, like, I need to talk to you about this, but obviously they don't have that information either about the donor's family or anything like that. And I said, look. I said, I, I need to get this out of my head. I said, like, how often do you have, like, liver transplants and stuff like that? And I explained the story to her in full. And she said, she goes, I'm totally blown away. She said, that, um, she said, I'm pretty much certain that that was the guy's, the, uh, the donor's father who you met. And that's my story. Yeah. That's really remarkable. Like, so then, you know, then what are the odds and and why like what what i think you and i talked about this a little bit like oh my gosh there's got to be a purpose here right that you would actually come across this person just in a diff- completely different location all of that like do you still think about that or are you just kind of accepting it and moving forward from there i, I i'm very familiar with it because i still work with that guy now mm-hmm. uh, he's a part of my consultant team for my other project as well I'm probably going to be working with that guy until he retires. Yeah. So we like honestly, we, we have that connection, um, and it's something that I remember every day, and yeah. it's something that I hold close to my heart. And then after I spoke to my transplant though, so I gave him a call and I, I phoned him up and said, "Greg, that um, you know, honestly, uh, when you know, forgive my reaction yesterday when we were talking on site because I was kind of taken back, and it, you know, it's emotional time." And uh, I said that, I, you know, I wanted to meet the family, like the, the father or the mother or whoever signed that document. And I said, now I've, you know, I, now I've, you know, I came face to face with you. Um, I said, that by saying thank you doesn't seem enough. I said, you, you have no idea what, you know, how appreciated I am of the respect that, you know, you've given me a chance of a new life. And, um, and he was like, he goes, no, he goes, he goes, I feel it as well because I, he goes, I have the same as well with my kidneys. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, I can't imagine there would be any words to convey, to convey that. Um, but wow, thank you for sharing that story. Thank you for sharing your, your near death experience too. Both pretty personal stories, but, but they make you remarkable. So, um, I'm and weird. I mean, right? Yeah, totally. Weird yeah. and weird in all the cool ways, which is what this show is about—the weird and the cool ways. So, um, anyway, thanks for coming on. Thanks for kicking Thank off you. my my everyday weirdos. Um, you you did me a solid right there. Did I? You did. You did. You didn't tell me I was coming on a weirdo show. I know. I know. I owe you. I I owe you something. I don't know what, but um, yeah. So anyway. I owe you a trip to Vancouver while watching, and I'll never forget that until once the borders open up. That's right. Yeah, you do. You do owe me that. And I'm waiting for the day when we go to Tombstone. You cannot forget me on that trip. I will be chasing. Oh, yeah. I will be chasing you. <laughs> I'm driving past your house to. Uh, it's going to be a road trip down to Arizona next time. I'm not. I'm not flying anymore. Hey, road so, trips are cool. You just swing by and pick me up, and we'll head on down. Right. There's a lot of people that are going to head down there as well. So it's going to be fun. I bet, because everyone wants to go there, right? Yeah. I just met a guy recently who took his um, his son there, and I was, like, so envious. He was asking me all these questions. I'm like, I wish I knew. I've never been. So, anyway, someday. Someday. So, see, what is it with all these weird noises happening? Is that your alarm going off? That's my pacemaker. You're not dying, are you? <laughs> no, it's my it's my eight o'clock, eight o'clock alarm. I I have to take my pills. So. <laughs> uh, you're funny, Jonas. So Jonas just says that's a cool story, Ren. You need a best friend named Stimpy. <laughs> I haven't heard that one before. <laughs> I, well, I haven't, but you know, I don't I don't have that last name. Now, now, don't we all? Um, have those stories about our names and the way people make jokes out about them. Anyway, anyway, 
Thanks, my friend. I appreciate you. Keep, I appreciate keep, you. keep being weird. I can't wait to see all the cool stuff coming out. And I'll share a link on the page again to the the um to your show. It's called We Want to Believe, by the way, anyone who wants to watch it. And um it's pretty cool. It's a pretty cool, unique approach to uh to such things, actually. Go. You wanted to say something, Pete. And my other channel, oh, I yes. want to believe. And Just yes. We want to believe and I want to believe. Yeah, so both of them. So I will, um, I will, but I, I, yeah, you mentioned that that name. I don't think we ever mentioned the other, the name of the other one this time. So I will post them all on my page. Um, but yeah, thank you. Thank you. It's good to see you. It's good to talk to you. I hope you stay well, mister. Stay out of trouble. Will right. do. Bye. All right. Take care. Bye. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Have a good night. And um, I will see you soon. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Whiskey and Weird. My name is Lauren Liker, and I'm learning about whiskey and I'm embracing all the weird in the world, including me and you. I hope you'll join me.